Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. I'm John Taffer, best-selling author, bar rescue guru, and soon your new best friend. I've got a lot of for us to talk about. So stop making excuses and let's get started because this gets real right now. All the way from the studios at Podcast One, here's John Tapper. Are you ready, Corey? I'm ready. Here we go, buddy. Number 58. I'm John Taffer. This is my No Excuses podcast. Wow, it's July 30th, Corey. Yeah. Man, it's going to be August. Flying by. Summer is uh, going really, really quickly. And uh, what's going on here right now in Las Vegas is blowing me away. Have you seen the grasshoppers? Oh, yeah. Everywhere. So if, you, if people haven't seen this on the news, there is a flood. I'm talking, I guess, millions and millions and millions of grasshoppers. It's almost like a locust attack. Have come into Las Vegas. They're everywhere. They're all over the house, all over the lawns, all over cars. When they look at it on a weather map, did you see the image, Corey? Yeah, it looks like a storm's rolling in. It looks like a storm, a green storm on a weather map, but it's it's freaking grasshoppers. Have you ever seen anything like this before? No. I mean, I always see grasshoppers, but this is uh, this is crazy. Unbelievable. And they're just hopping all over the place. And it's, it's, it's a green cloud. And, and you got to look at the images online, folks. It's really just an incredible thing uh, uh, to, to see this. And think of somebody travels here from the other side of the world, Corey. So they come here all the way from Taiwan, right? So they travel about as far as you can. They come to Las Vegas. They're going to get to spend three days of their life in Las Vegas. And those are the three days of the yeah. grasshopper attack. And so when I was driving down the strip last night, I must tell you, I felt sort of bad for people. That, that happened to come to Vegas at this fluke time to be surrounded by grasshoppers. And I'm not talking cocktails. I'm talking green animals with big back legs and tiny little front legs. <laughs> things are gross. Anyway, so just finished my uh, second episode of Bar Rescue for the season. Pretty excited about that. And it's interesting. I, got, uh, I had to cancel an episode in season six because actually my dog Winston went into serious surgery. Oh, yeah. And you remember that, Corey, and, and they removed a third of his liver and his spleen, and he had a growth inside of him, and, and I can't tell you how important Winston is to me. So we actually uh, shut down production for a week, so I never shot the last episode of season six. So it's interesting to come back a couple months later. So the first episode we shot was the last episode of season six. The second episode we shot is now the first episode of season seven. So good news for everybody. We have uh, 12 more that we're doing this year, which will air this winter. And we're in discussions now with the uh, network to do, uh, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Corey, because this is getting to be like big, big numbers here, 22 more next year. Jeez. So I just finished my 181st episode. Wow. So with the 12 more this year, that takes me up to 193. With 22 more next year, well, the eighth episode in next year will be the 200th episode of Bar Rescue. And I just got to say, not only thank you to everybody, but we're getting into record books now. We're becoming one of the most successful reality shows of all time. 
which is unbelievable to me, crossing 100 episodes. Corey's a big freaking deal. Right. I remember when we had the 100th episode party. That was like three, four years ago. I mean, I can't believe how long this has gone on. So what do you do when you have a show that runs that long, that people, you know, love the format, uh, uh, obviously like me in that role? So what do you do? Corey, you can't change it too much, right? Right. If I change it too much, people get mad at me. I screwed up the show, blah, blah, and the ratings will drop. Yeah. If I don't change it at all, every, oh, the show's getting boring. I can't watch it anymore. It's the same thing every week. So what do you do? It's a challenge. And I'll never forget Dr. Phil, who's a good friend of mine, once said to me, you know, John, getting on TV is one thing. Staying on TV is another. Well, boy, seventh season, 10 years later, well, we're going for it this season, Corey. We're changing it up a little bit. We're mixing it up a little. And last night's episode was a pretty good example because last night's episode, the recon was really done day two, wasn't it? Because it started with the, with the two owners crying and freaking out to each other and then going in and talking to them. I never got a chance to do recon. So recon became after uh, uh, I did what would normally be recon. So recon actually happened in day two. So you're going to see a lot of changes this year. Still keeping with our, our, our bar rescue theme and concept. Nothing's going to change. But we are deviating from format a little this year. And it's really sort of fun to do it. It gives me even more of a license to follow the story. And here's what's great about bar rescue. And I thank the teams at, at Viacom and Paramount very much because they give me the freedom to run the show. So I do run Bar Rescue as executive producer. The story is real time. It all happens in real time on the, fl on the fly like that. So when you have the flexibility from the network to modify the concept and to play with format, man, that gives me incredible freedom to follow the story, Corey, no matter where it takes me. So if the story takes us out of format, then so be it. We throw away the format, not the story. So this season of Bar Rescue, I, I really believe, has the potential to be our best ever. And uh, the first two episodes are, are over the top, so I think we're on to something, Corey. It's incredible. I might actually get good at this. What do you think? I think you already are pretty good, John. I got a chance, buddy. I'm trying really <laughs> hard. So those of you who watch Bar Rescue or Marriage Rescue, which we're coming back with more of those next year as well, did you know that Pluto TV is the leading free streaming service and that you can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all completely free. Pluto TV never asks you for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies completely for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. And you can download Pluto TV for free on all your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. So what are you waiting for? Download Pluto TV today. So what do you think of this uh, uh, Area 51 thing? I don't really know what to think of it, I mean, honestly. So some guy does this simple post, as we should all go to Area 51. <clears throat> it explodes virally. Now I was told just a couple hours ago by, by, by Michael Sullivan, who works here, that it's up to like 3 million people have signed up for this thing. Jeez. How do you stop 3 million people from, from entering a base? Are they going to tear gas them? Are they going to shoot them? What are they going to do? Well, there's an article I'm just reading now. It says, we stand ready. U.S. Air Force warns against, quote, raid on Area 51. So apparently, Corey, they're not going to let them on. Oh, no. So this is a really fascinating situation. 
So what happens? That they, they can't keep a fence up, right, because people rip the fences down. They can climb the walls. They can get on top of each other and pyramid over the wall if they want to. So if they don't use some type of force, what happens? Well, this is fascinating to see. And uh, um, I don't honestly know what to believe. I'll tell you this. I've watched a lot of television on uh, um, this whole thing, right, unidentified flying objects, uh, non-classified things or declassified things. I've read a whole bunch of articles. Corey, a year ago, would have said to you that this is bold. There's no way in the world this is real. Yeah. I sort of have an open mind to this now. Do you? Oh, yeah. There's actually a really good documentary on Netflix. Uh, just came out, Bob Lazar. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Uh, uh, fascinating where, where people discredited him and discredited him, but there's something here. Oh, yeah. So. If there's something to this, and if that thing or those things are in fact in Area 51, then they can't let them in, can they? No. So getting through the gates becomes an impossibility. So I can't wait to see what happens. But people are getting ready for this, Corey, because uh, uh, this is fascinating. Thousands, over 6,000 people have paid for, are you ready for this? An insurance policy that pays them for alien abduction insurance. <laughs> now, 6,000 people have paid over $8 million, actually 8 million pounds. It's the St. Lawrence Agency in Altamont Springs, Florida, and there's a surge of interest <laughs> in people buying alien abduction insurance. I wonder what that is, Corey. So if I'm inducted, does it pay like a life insurance policy? Oh, it better. <laughs> but if I'm gone then the insurance company is going to pay anyway. Right. But if there's no body, they might not. True. So the alien abduction insurance, I guess if I just disappear, they just pay. Do they pay me if I become green? Right? Like a little spaceman right. or something? I Can you believe it? People are buying alien abduction insurance. Man, it shit shocks the hell out of me. People will buy anything. I guess they will. How about this inventor who tried to cross the English Channel in a jet-powered hoverboard? Oh, yeah, I saw that. That didn't work out so yeah. well, did it? So that failed. So he, he uh, 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 had 42 liters of kerosene in his backpack. It lasted for about 10 minutes of flight. <laughs> Jeez. And it didn't quite work out with the 35-kilometer straight of Dover where he tried to go through. But, you know, there's something interesting going on in business, and I wonder about this stuff. Think about Amazon, Corey. So Amazon is now taking over the supermarket business. Huge, yeah. And, and so, so you're going to go to Amazon. You're going to order your fresh produce. You're going to order frozen food. You're going to order proteins. And then you can flip the page and order a, a, a stereo system or technology or clothing. So Amazon is now getting to the point that it's entering into every kind of space you can imagine, from cloud hosting to supermarkets to all sorts of new business models. At what point is it too big? At what point do we say as, as Americans or as a society, our choices are being taken away? We're being penalized by this. This is not in the best interest of society. And does that matter? Does a business have the right to grow and grow and grow to the point that it's the only business in the marketplace and you have no choice? If that happens and Americans lose choice, is that illegal? Well, that's where Congress steps in. And Congress and the president step in and they approve 
uh, uh, mergers and determine what mergers make sense and what don't. And, of course, there's a lot of discussion these days about, you know, the power of a Google, the power of a Facebook, the power of an Amazon, and do they need to be split up in the same way. But here's another one. The Justice Department on Friday approved the merger of T-Mobile and Sprint. Now, you wouldn't think that's such a big deal, but that takes four carriers in America down to three. Well, now, Corey, you lost 25% of your choices, didn't you? Yeah. So now what happens is when the next merger occurs and they go down to two carriers, is that okay? So we've gone down from eight or nine to three. When we go down to two, when we go down to one, where is the line? And, you know, when you think about our society and the dominance because of Internet that businesses have today, you got to start to think to yourself, we have to look at modifying laws to match the society that we're in. For example, and I was on Fox News a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about this. You know, Corey, if I write a book or a newspaper article and say something wrong, you can sue me, right? Because for, for, it's published. Right. You can sue me for defamation of character or incorrect facts and things like that. Yeah. But if you post it on the Internet, you can't be sued for it because it's not deemed as published information. This becomes a big vehicle for, I'm going to use the Trump term, but I don't mean it in a sense, for fake news on the Internet. Because if there's no liability for what I write, Corey, and if there's no ramifications, if I lie or don't verify my information, then what happens? We have a lot of unverified lies out there. Yeah. So if you do it in writing, you can get sued. You're held accountable. If you do it on the Internet, you can't. So there's an example of where laws need to adjust to the times, right? People need to be held accountable for the things they publish, whether it's online or not. And you can't lie and we can't hurt each other in those kind of ways. That's one example of where the laws are not matching society today. Another example is with these mergers. And at what point do we say business being served is not as important as people being served? And it's a dilemma. I'm not sure I know the answer to it, but I know this. We're going to have to take a look at these issues as an American society and try to change things. Because if we don't change the laws and people aren't accountable for what they do, then they can do whatever the hell they want to do. And that, Corey, is a scary proposition. So we've got to take a look at these laws, including merger, publishing laws, and we've got to start looking at how we change them. And unfortunately, I don't think this generation in politics is going to do it, Corey. So I think it's going to be up to you guys to step in and fix this stuff for us all. And then I won't have to worry about my alien abduction insurance because <laughs> I'll have choices. That's right. I'll have eight or ten different policies I can choose from. So I know that I will get the best value for my alien abduction insurance. <laughs> all right, Corey. I don't know if the next segment is my favorite part of this show or my scariest part of this show. But In the Dark is a segment that's just a couple weeks old where we ask you guys to send in audio files with any question you want. You can print it or you can send in an audio file. Corey will not tell me the questions, right? I will not. Hopefully they're aggressive and bold and edgy and even embarrassing and challenging. So Corey's going to pick the ones that he thinks will embarrass me or challenge me the most. He's going to play them to me on the air, correct? Correct. I'm going to hear them for the first time that you do, correct? Yep. I'm just creating verification here, Corey, oh, yeah. so everybody knows we're being honest. <laughs> and that is what we call the In the Dark segment. So I have no freaking idea what's coming at all, but I'll deal with it when we come back. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. Want to talk to John? 
Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. If you like sex, you'll love bluechew.com. Bluechew offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. And wouldn't you like to last longer and go extra rounds? At bluechew.com, you can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And chewables can work faster than pills, up to twice as fast. The chewables from Blue Chew can be taken on a full or empty stomach, and the online physician consult is completely free, so it's cheaper than those other two. And it only takes a few minutes to connect with BlueChew.com affiliated physicians, and if you qualify, you can get prescribed online quickly. There's no in-person doctor visit, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at a pharmacy, and it ships directly to your door in discreet packaging. The chewables from BlueChew.com are prescribed online by a doctor and made in the USA. So Blue Chew gives you the confidence in bed every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and do it. And here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code TAFFER. Just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Promo code TAFFER. Shut it down! All right, first, we should turn the lights down. You should put me in the dark room when I do this so I can really get into the vibe. That's a good idea. All right, so they rough this week. Are you going to give me any indication at all, or are you just going to throw me out there? Um, I'll give you a little heads up on this one. It is a little edgy. Ooh, a little edgy. Out, yeah, we'll start it out pretty funny here. All right, let's see what you got, buddy. Hey, John, it's Scott. Uh, I'm just curious if you and Nicole are still using those butt funnels. Uh, word on the street is they're strictly for bars only. <laughs> you know, i got to tell you guys, in my house... Uh-oh, I have two doors that go into the master bedroom, and I have one of them closed and locked. So it creates a little narrow entrance into the bedroom, which we affectionately call the house butt funnel. So it's very difficult for my wife and I to enter our bedroom without having a physical contact inspired by a butt funnel. I got to tell you guys, I got in big trouble with the butt funnel years ago when I first started using it. People didn't understand what it is. A butt funnel is actually an architectural term that I created many, many years ago. And it's a narrow entrance to something which causes people's butts to rub together. Hence, a butt funnel. If you don't have a butt funnel in your house and there's somebody in your house that you'd like to butt funnel with, I suggest you narrow one of the doors, put a plant in a way, and create your own personal butt funnel. My wife and I do many things, and butt funneling is, in fact, one of them, Corey. So <laughs> word is out. That's it. I've let it out now. There's no pulling it back. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, John, big fan. My question is, last night's episode, the two guys at first really seemed like they were hustling you. What changed your mind into wanting to help them? My follow-up would be, does Bar Rescue get a lot of bars that hustle you to try to help them when they actually don't need it? Great question. The answer is yes. Uh, some bars try to hustle us on Bar Rescue, so we do background checks. You know, I want to look at their taxes. I want to make sure that they're actually losing money. I want to make sure that they're not felons or, or tax evaders or anything like that. If they can substantiate that they're really in debt and that they really are in trouble and they can substantiate that the business is losing money, then, then we head out and, we, and we, we possibly go put the bar on bar rescue. What happened in last night's episode was fascinating to me. I arrived to do recon like we normally do, and here's a real testament to how unscripted and unformatted bar rescue is. And I said to my, my team who's with me, I don't believe these guys. Look at them sitting at the table drinking and laughing. I think this is full of bull. See, here's what I did. I told, and I never tell these inside stories, but I'm going to tell it now. I told my crew to hang a couple extra lights inside the bar. 
And then I waited about a half hour with the extra lights inside the bar. And I sent one of my producers in. And I had the producer tell them that, you know, John is either at this bar or another bar. We don't know which of the two he's going to go to. He's probably going to come to this bar. And guys, if he does, remember, this is John Taffer. He's going to build you a hell of a bar. This is going to change your lives. Now they were very happy with a 50% chance that I was coming. And they sat back down at the table and continued drinking, which I couldn't believe, Corey. So that's when I said to myself, all right, I don't think these guys are real. So I sent some of my crew in, had them pull the lights down, and I sent the producer in, who you saw, to tell them that I'm not coming. Well, at that moment, Corey, I wasn't going to come. Right. I said, screw it. I don't believe these, are re- these guys are real, so I wasn't going to come. Well, then the two of them went back into the kitchen, started crying hysterically. One says, I'm going to lose my house, I'm going to lose my kids, and these tears are real. I can see it, Corey. These guys are freaking out. So one of them, Bert, is crying, I'm going to lose everything. The other one is crying, I'm going to lose my kids and my house. And At that moment, I realized, okay, this is real. So I walked in the back door and walked up to the two of them, and everybody saw the rest. So what that was was Bar Rescue not adjusting the story to the show. Bar Rescue adjusted the show to the story, and that's what makes Bar Rescue great is it's completely authentic. So I didn't do a recon last night, Corey, because I I didn't get a chance to Yeah, because I was challenging them rather than the bar. So the second day on day two is when we actually did recon when I ordered all of those things to see how the kitchen and the bar would work. But, you know, again, that's Bar Rescue responding to the story, being authentic, being honest with the audience as well as being honest with the owners and everybody there. And that's what makes the show great is its honesty. All righty, Corey, I'm ready for the next one, buddy. All right, let's do it. Hey, John, this is Steve Kimball from Bear, Delaware. I just wanted to ask, do you ever march into a random bar just to mess with the owner's head? (laughs) All right, I admit it, I do. So here's the fun part of it, is if I walk in deliberately, so I got a fast pace to my walk, and I'm looking at the bartender, and I'm working, or the owner, and I'm walking right towards him, and it looks like I have a purpose, and I'm deliberately coming their way, they freak out completely. If I come in casually and walk slower and look the other way a little bit and stuff, they don't freak out as much. So when I go into an airport bar or someplace, if I walk in in that deliberate walk, everybody starts freaking out. So I must admit, uh, it is a little fun, and I will do it on occasion. But, yes, I have done it on a few occasions. As a matter of fact, sometimes friends have said to me, please do me a favor, John. Just walk in this bar for a second and freak out my friend, and I do sometimes. And I must admit... It's sort of fun to look at him freaking out as I'm walking up to the bar. It's quite an experience. So, Corey, let's, let's kill it with the voice for a moment. How about a couple that you could read? Some of you guys don't have the courage to do your audio tape, but I don't want to not read some of the other ones. So give me a good one, Corey. What do you got? All right. This one's from Rachel, and she's been with her husband for 13 years. They have a two-year-old daughter, and they want to know how they can spice their marriage back up. Oh, boy. You know, that... that, that is something that so many couples go through. You know, before you have a kid, Corey, and you're not married yet, when you do get married, everything is going to be about your wife to you and everything is going to be about you to your wife. So you get very selfish. You know, you're so completely focused on each other. And then a child comes. And suddenly you're not the most important thing to your wife anymore, Corey, the baby is. Yeah. Suddenly you're playing second fiddle here. 
it changes the dynamic of the relationship significantly. Those romantic moments aren't there like they used to be. The, the, the leisure time isn't there like it used to be. And as a result, intimacy starts to disappear. Here's what I think is fun to do. Write a list of sexual goals. <laughs> I mean it. Write a list of things you'd like to do, things you haven't done before. Maybe a different way to massage each other, a different way to have foreplay together, a different way to have sex together. Write a list. I'm dead serious of the things you'd like to do sexually, the things that you'd like to do to instill intimacy in your relationship, something that's exciting that you haven't done before. Maybe even push the limits a little bit for each other to create some excitement. And then say to yourself, every week, we're going to hit that list, Corey. Once a week, we're going to knock something off on that list. It starts to get exciting. You start to look forward to it. Uh-oh, this week we're doing that. Oh, we're doing this. We're doing it. Make it fun. Here's what happens. Taking care of the kids is important. It happens every day. Taking care of business happens every day. Shopping for the family happens every day. Because of the things that happen every day, sex, intimacy, and time together drifts away. It doesn't happen every day. And that's the problem. It's every bit as important as going to the supermarket. Is sexual satisfaction, connection together, time together, hugging together. These are critical things. You must make it a priority. If you don't, in years you'll drift apart. And that's unacceptable. So the way you drift, the way you don't drift apart is by staying together. The way you stay together is making your time together every bit as important as that trip to the grocery store. All right, lastly, Brad wants to know, where can I get those blazers? Brad wants to know where he can get my blazers. Well, yeah. I actually don't buy my blazers in a, in a store, Corey. Oh, really? Yes, there's a company called Martin Greenfield in Brooklyn, New York, and I've been going to Martin for years, who's a custom tailor, and I go into Martin's uh, a building in Brooklyn, and Martin is in his 80s, and he has made suits for the past five presidents. Wow. And he, he is an older, feisty guy. His book just came out. He was a Holocaust survivor, and Martin has one of the greatest uh, a custom-made clothing operations in the country. So I go in and I have, he has all these fabric books, Corey, every fabric, color, pattern you can imagine. So I pick out the fabrics and then, and then Martin makes me a, a, a jacket. And that's how I find all the colors and all the jackets that I have. You know what I find when you go to the store, try to find the purple sport jacket in the store. <laughs> you know, try to find the colors and the prints. And it's not easy. Almost everything is dark blue, gray, or black. So that's what I do. I find great fabrics, and Martin makes it for me. And here's a quick funny story. Martin Greenberg is one feisty guy. He's one confident guy. He's probably the greatest tailor and custom clothes maker in America. And years ago, Martin made the suit for President Obama. So he sent his son to the White House to measure the president. And when he came back for the setting fitting, Martin himself fitted the president. So Martin is an older gentleman. He's fitting the president's suit, and Obama is there. And now he's leaving the White House. And as he's leaving the White House, the Secret Service looks at Martin Greenfield and says, Mr. Greenfield, would you like us to call you when a president is wearing one of your suits? And Martin Greenfield said back, that won't be necessary. When a president is wearing a suit that fits perfectly, I'll know it's mine. Ooh. And that is the confidence that comes with success. So I'm real excited to have T-Pain here. And when I come back... 
I will be with him. Don't shut down this podcast yet. No Excuses with John Taffer continues next. You know, it's funny, Corey, when you run a business day to day, you know, talking to people is easy. You know, you and I talking together is easy. You know, working on things is easy. You know, payroll and accounting is what's really, really tough in a business. Because the fact of the matter is a lot of people don't put the time into it and then it bites them in the butt when the numbers don't work. And running a business doesn't have to be difficult. With Square Payroll Services, you can easily pay your W-2 employees and 1099 contractors online in just a few clicks. You can file your taxes, offer benefits like the 401k, and more. And Square Payroll is integrated with Square POS, so time cards and tips are automatically imported into payroll. And they offer fair and flexible pricing that scales with your business. Just $29 per month plus $5 per employee per month. I'm talking about simple pricing. No hidden fees and no long-term contracts. Square Payroll is a win for any business. Right now, my listeners can receive three free months of Square Payroll by visiting square.com slash go slash taffer. That's square.com slash go slash taffer to receive three months of Square Payroll. I don't know, Corey, do you find like legal and court cases and stuff fascinating? Oh, yeah, of course. Big time. So do I. So calling all true crime fans, the Court Junkie podcast is now on Podcast One. Imagine being wrongfully convicted of a crime you didn't commit or a killer is still on the loose even though there's enough evidence for an arrest. The Court Junkie podcast shines a light on all the injustices of the judicial system with deep dives into court documents and interviews with those closest to the case. You can download new episodes of Court Junkie podcast on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. That's fun stuff sometimes. Taffer's back. This is No Excuses with John Taffer. T-Pain. What's happening? How are you, my friend? I'm pretty good, man. Pretty, pretty good. Long time, long time for this uh, conversation to happen, man. It has, man. Way overdue. <laughs> uh, you know I love you, buddy, and I love all your messaging, and, and you, you've been such a positive influence out there that I've been looking forward. Oh, yeah. Do you remember meeting me a few weeks ago? We met for about 20 seconds. Do you remember where that was? Where? What? Yes. That's funny. You're going to laugh. We were both at Critics' Choice together, weren't we? Your show was nominated for Critics' Choice. Weren't you at the Critics' Choice? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So let, let, so let me give my yeah, listeners yeah. a little little uh, a look at this. So, so both T-Pain and my shows were both nominated for Critics' Choice Awards for the Best Business Show Same of the category. Year. Same category. And, and I must say, buddy, uh, uh, if I didn't win, I wanted you to win. <laughs> so, so I was a little bummed when Shark Tank took it away from you. So, so uh, but you were standing outside the room, uh, uh, um, and I think you were on your phone. And I just walked by, shook your hand really quickly, said John, and kept walking. But I think you were in the middle of something. But we met for a couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is crazy, and I probably took advantage of everything in the green room. I probably wasn't paying attention to anything, and. They just they had a lot of had a lot of uh, had a lot of liquor in that green room. So yeah, no, so I get it. So, uh, <laughs> but I gotta tell you, so we gotta we gotta get in one of these clubs, man. That's that's what's really gonna that's what's really gonna pop off. At. I hear you, man. So so when I look at your life, and I really wanted to talk to you because you know, you're such a freaking inspiration, Bunny. When I look that's at your right. life, you know you had a tough upbringing. Life wasn't easy for you when you were a kid. Oh, no, not at all, man. I, you know, I, I, I struggled coming up and wasn't a lot of uh, musical outlets in Tallahassee. So, 
you know, it's a small city, not a lot of execs coming through there to look for talent. So it was really, really a struggle to, you know, go beyond the city and, and things like that. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, being the only one that's really pursuing this in my family and, you know, my brother started it after I did because he saw the, he saw the passion I had for it. So, you know, coming up like that and then just going through so many different kind of deal offers and things like that. And, Man, it was a it was a roller coaster. I tell you that for sure. Yeah, but it's incredible. So when you were ten years old, you built a recording studio in your bedroom, in essence. Yeah, yeah, ten years old, man. I just I, I started putting pieces together every week. I would you know just try to gather up as much as I could, and you know my dad found a keyboard that was perfectly fine on the side of the road. Uh, wow. You know, I, I started you know getting tape recorders and. You know, putting tape recorders together and trying to find ways to hook different things up to things that they weren't supposed to be hooked up to. So, you know, every every week, man, I would try to get something new and, and just keep building that studio up. So a lot of electrical tape in those days, a lot of splicing to make things work. Yeah, it was mostly, mostly scotch tape because, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> so, it wasn't, nothing was correctly done at all. It was a, it was a disaster, but it worked out. So, it did. You know, it Do you think when you look at Tiger Woods, right, and some of these athletes and people in the world who started really young, right, there's pictures of Tiger with a golf club when he's like six years old and stuff. Do you yeah. think the fact that you started so young is one of the reasons why you're so, I don't want to embarrass you, but you're so musically gifted? <laughs> Oh man, um, I you know I think I, I I think it just comes down to more practice, I guess. You know, we just have you know people that start young just have more time to figure things out, and you know it, it becomes a passion, and you really want to start figuring out more things. And at a young age, when you get people saying that you're good at something, that kind of drives you to really want to get good at it. Now, if I would have started at an older age, around you know being a teenager or something like that. And usually when you get that age and somebody tells you you're good at something, that just means they're going to want you to do it a lot for free. So, That's right. That's so right. So we, we, have, we have a different mindset when we're younger. Now, you know, when we are told that we're good at something, we, that means we, we want to learn how to do it better so we can start impressing more people. Because, you know, being a kid, you know, kids suck at a lot of stuff. So we don't get a lot of compliments. Right. So, you know, you want to get better and better at it and keep getting those compliments and, you know, just keep trying to impress people. And I think that comes into, you know, the play for the rest of your life. But, yeah, if you, if you start a little older, it just means people, you know, hey, man, you're really good at that. Why don't you come do it for me? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so, it, it, yeah, I think, I think starting out young was a big part in, in me actually wanting to be better. Who was your biggest mentor? Ooh, my biggest mentor? I think it was my dad. My dad was my biggest mentor, man. He, uh, you know, he he always he, he put me through media training when I was like twelve. Like wow. so, <laughs> you know. What'd your dad do? What'd your dad do? Yeah, he made sure that I was always good. So yeah, I think it was my dad. What did he do for a living? Your dad? Uh man, I mean, he was a, a motivational speaker. He, uh, you know, he had a couple normal jobs. He owned his own restaurant, a seafood restaurant, for a while. Uh, you know, my dad was a my dad was a real true businessman. So, you know, he went around uh, uh, talking to the youth for a long time. And wow. He was just a staple in the in the neighborhood, man. Just, if you got anything wrong, any problems you need to talk out, you can come talk to my dad, and, and, so, and he'll figure it out for you. So you're a bit of a chip off the old block in a way, then, when you think about that. A little so, bit, a little bit, a little so, bit, man. So your I, dad, I your dad was very entrepreneurial. Your dad yeah, was very sure. community-minded, obviously, right? Really loved to support Absolutely. the community. 
And your dad was a, a, an inspirational figure. I could say yeah. I could say yeah. exactly the same things about you. <laughs> I try, man. You know, I just try to spread spread good good feelings and, and cheer to everybody, man. Everybody deserves to be happy. So you know, yeah. I try to you know put that out there in the world through you know whether it be just having a conversation with somebody or music or any way I can convey that feeling or any way I can put that out there and get those vibes to other people. That's Got to get out there, man. You know, when I, when I look at you and, and all the positive messaging you send out, buddy, whether it's, it's school or business, or one only has to look at your social media feeds for a couple of hours to realize how positive <laughs> you are. You know what I mean? And every message you send is so freaking positive. But, you know, when I look at some, and I don't want to badmouth anyone. That's not where we're going. But when I look, no, at, no, I when I look at some of your peers in, in the music space, and I look at some of the negative messaging out there. Does that bother you? Um, it's it's a form of I mean, you know what it is, man. People have people have succumbed to the to the like machine. And you know, I heard uh and I and it, it, I've been saying this for a while, but I just found a way to say it yesterday when I saw Gary V talking about it. And it's the like machine, man. People do things to generate more likes and people have been uh you know, they they, they they've been subjected to the situation to where when they do put out positive messages, they don't get as many likes as they do when they put out the negative stuff. So they tend to gear their social media more towards what they get likes off of. And people are putting so much value into, you know, these internet points and the hearts and, you know, the numbers that you come across and things like that. People are putting so much power into that. They're changing their whole lives to where people in people that have known these people for years are like, why are you doing this? You, you don't, you don't ever act like this. Why are you so crazy on social media? Why are you so mean on social media? And it it really comes down to, man, I just get more likes when I am, so I just do that. Like I've I've met some of the you know the, some of the worst people on social media, and then when you meet them in person, it's like this dude is the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. And it's literally just the messaging they put out there so they can get more likes and they can get more fake internet points in the hearts. And it and it's you know so I can kind of see beyond it. I can kind of see, you know, because we know the, the, the background and we know the behind the scenes of, you know, I kind of give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Like, I, this guy can't be this much of an asshole. Like, yeah. it's, it's just, I, I, I got to meet him first and then I'll be able to, you know, I'll be able to assess what's going on here. But I don't you know, think, it's almost, I, you know, I try not to hold anybody to their social media, basically. No, I hear you. And, and it's, it's a, a terrible testament to society that we respond more to the negative than the positive, you know, that we're looking for Absolutely. that. It, we're almost looking to see humans in places where we don't want to be ourselves. And that sort of sucks. Well, well, we, well and, and, and a lot of the time, uh, you know, people look at celebrities and public figures and they, you know, they think we're perfect. I don't know how because, you know, a lot of us try not to portray that and we try to tell them, like, look, guys, we all got problems. We all still take shit. Like, it's, everything's still with <laughs> it. Everybody's got problems. You, you watch TMZ and you see all these people going through shit. And it's really like people want to know that we're not perfect. And it brings people joy to see, like, you know, it, it sucks to say, but it kind of brings people joy to see, like, bad stuff happen to us. It's like, oh, you get in trouble too. Oh, you're in jail too. You can go to jail for the same thing I go to jail for. Okay, money's not going to fix everything. But, you know, and then when we say, when we, you know, when we get money and when we say, guys, money's not going to fix everything. I just found this out. I thought it was going to fix it, but then I got money. Uh, nope, I'm still I'm still in a bad place. That the money doesn't fix depression. 
and then everybody's like, oh, you're just rich. Oh, why do rich people say this all the time? And it, 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 it kind of breaks my heart that people don't listen to these things. But, you know, sometimes you just got to find out for yourself. And, that's, yeah. it, it, and it hurts worse that way. It sure does. So, you know, what I find even on Bar Rescue is, is you know, people want to see me scream more than hug. And, and you yeah, know, and when 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 there's a lot of screaming, of course. Now, now you, I know you've watched the show because we, we've communicated <laughs> oh, yeah. about it before. But you know, the screaming is with a good intention. I'm trying to help the guy. I'm not trying to hurt him in the end. So, so absolutely, you know, so, yeah, yeah. So, you gotta you gotta hear that stuff you say. It's not just you coming in saying I know what the hell I'm talking about and do it this way, do it this way. You're like, no, I'm trying to help, and you're not listening. Yeah, that's right. So, so, so I got to scream a little louder always, when they're not listening. You know, I got to make sure they right, hear Right, right. It's always a good place. You got to tell them they blew it and, 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 it, they, and they start listening. And when people start walking out, then when you walk out, then it's like, look, I'm not here to fight you. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to tell you that I've seen the patterns of what's going on. Now, you trying to bust open the books, hand it over to Bar Rescue, then do that. But if you're still going to be resistant when I get here, then you can't help people that don't want to be helped. That's the truth. So, you That's know, you got to let people find out on their own sometimes. Yeah, it sure is the truth. <laughs> so so when you were young, and, and I have so much respect for you, buddy, and, and, and I want to tell you why. Thank you, man. You too, brother. You know, you know when, when, when I meet so many celebrities, they don't see celebrity as a responsibility. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yep, and you true. do. You see your celebrity. You have a responsibility. You do stuff all the time you don't make money on just to send out messages. And so you oh, yeah. you take a look at your celebrity as something that you're trying to do good with and responsibility. When did you connect those dots? When did you realize that, okay, i got to do good here. I want to make a difference. Or did it just happen naturally as a result of growing up with your dad? Oh, man, you know what? It actually took me a while because I got into it so young. I didn't know how to deal with it or handle it. I didn't think, you know, because I was going from my perspective and my mindset. So I didn't think people put that much uh, pressure on celebrities to be who they wanted to be and who they, you know, people look up to celebrities, they follow them and they do things that other celebrities do. So, you know, I've never done that. So I didn't think that other people did it. But when I came up, it was a, a reckless thing, and, you know, I was just doing what I wanted to, yep. and, you know, I had a bunch of money, so it was like whatever. But around, I think around 2011 is when I started, like, wait a minute, people are, people are, like, imitating me. People are people are starting to uh, really listen to what I'm saying and doing these things. And then, you know, the, the subject and the, the subject matter, the matter of my song started changing and, you know what I'm saying, just uh, conceptually, like, just, yeah. you know, I started making sure, like, wait a minute, okay, I need to stop telling people to drink themselves to death. Right. <laughs> I, can, right. <laughs> I can calm this down some and save some lives and stuff like that. And I really, you know, started calming down with it as I learned, you know, and I, I went through, you know, because I got signed when I was 20 years old yep. and coming up from then was like, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be partying for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then things, you know, things started happening, started having panic attacks in clubs because I'm just drinking every night nonstop. And I'm like, maybe I should stop telling people to do this. This isn't great. <laughs> is it, isn't it amazing? So you grew up, buddy. Oh, That's what man. happened, right? Yeah. You grew up. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that maturity just finally kicked in. And I started thinking about things, uh, you know, thinking about things for the long term and not just so much, what are we doing tonight? Yep. You know, I, I really looked at life and, you know, started 
really, really engaging and, and paying attention to my family. Like, you know, like when I was young, I wasn't paying attention to my wife and kids as much because I was just out every night. And just not, now I'm like, I'm not going out unless my wife is with me. I'm, I'm taking <laughs> my kids places, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, so now, yeah. you know, I'm looking at things for the long term now. Isn't it amazing when you don't have to look over your shoulder? You know what I mean? When it comes to your wife. Oh, and- my God. Yeah, man, it's always great, dude. It's such a great feeling, and and you know, and and you wouldn't know unless you had something to compare it to. So you know, <laughs> you got to you know, get get in trouble a couple of times. Like, man, just being faithful and chilling, and and just, and not being super drunk and not knowing what you're doing. That is so much more less is less stressful. <laughs> it is honesty. You looking up, out everybody's happy. Your kids are happy. Your wife's happy. Nobody's fucking looking for you. You're not saying crap in songs that you don't remember doing. And now you got James looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, so, okay, this is cool now. This is good. So we I look at the guys. So I and I'm, I bet you agree with this. We look at the guys that don't live their lives this way, and we think they're fools. They add, right, absolutely. They add no so much question. pressure to themselves to cover their lives, cover their steps, the negativism, all this stuff in their lives. So it's it's phenomenal that you share this lesson with everyone. Would you consider yeah, yourself yeah. an entrepreneur? Oh, absolutely. Now, now I would. Now I would. I actually pay attention to what I'm doing now. And, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, when you, when you first get that big chunk of money and uh, you just give it to everybody, like, yo, go in. I'm an investor now. Just <laughs> take this $20,000. I'm an investor. There you go. Now, now it's like, okay, let's sit down. Let's have a real conversation about this. Let's put this, let's, let's check out your profit and loss. Let's make sure everything is, you know, you know, we go through all the steps now. It's, it's more, it's, like you said, it's, it's maturity kicking in, and you actually got to learn from mistakes and pay attention to things. So, yeah, I, I definitely would see myself as an entrepreneur at this point. So, so when I look at T Pain School of Business, which if nobody's seen, by the way, you got to see T Pain School of Business on Fuse. It, it's yeah, you got it. New see. season's thank August sixth, right? New season starts August. Yeah, 6th. man, new season. Yeah, got it. It's, it's, it's uh, this one. We we switched it up a little bit. It's, it's uh, it's a little more, a little more raw this time. So you know, just to show the the dirt of where things come from. So yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I had to show that. I had to show that whole. I wanted to get down with everybody. So yeah, that's awesome. You know, we go from the from the bottom. Yeah, I'll tell you, getting on TV is one thing. Staying on TV, making it to season two, is a big deal, buddy. You know that. Oh so, uh, yeah, and we just got we just got an offer for season three already. So that's great. <laughs> so who came up with the idea for School of Business? Well, at first it was supposed to be a car show. I wanted to do a car show, and you know, I, um, I you know, I love cars, man. Yep. And I, at one point, I had thirty six cars. Yep. And it was just my passion. But, um, you know, Sue came to me, and we sat down and was having a meeting about concepts and how we're going to keep the show interesting, and basically came up with uh, cars aren't it. There's there's enough car shows. We have them, and they asked me what. Uh, you know, what, what's your day like? Like, what do you do when you wake up? I said, first thing I do when I wake up, so I don't get out of bed. I sit in bed and I go through uh, Kickstarter and Indiegogo to see if there's any new technology coming out. And I just go through and I, I'll probably put like a $2,000 package on anything that I see that's pretty cool. Mostly because I want it first and, you know, uh, <laughs> right when it comes out, yep. I want updates and I want it first. I want it to be delivered to me. That shit looks cool and I want to do it. I want to use it. So, you know, I would just go and back these projects and, and, you know, keep up with them and stuff like that. And that's the first thing I do when I wake up. And, you know, then I go to my social media, blah, blah, blah. Like, wait, back up, back up, back up. So you wake up and go look if you can help people's businesses. <laughs> you do. So how many, how many, 
About yeah, how many off the top of your head have you kickstarted and invested into? Guess. Um, I, I would say about fifteen. Wow, fifteen so far. So you, yeah, you know, it, it, it's you know, people need help, man, and you know, they they don't they, they have these great ideas, and, and man, if they're two thousand dollars away from you know making just changing the world, absolutely, I'm I'm in there, man. You know what's you interesting? Know what I'm is, like this, like yeah, these, but, these things can. What's the interesting? Great, the greatest change in the world can be locked in a project that's underfunded. And, you know, we're sitting here doing nothing about it and not helping. So I, I want to be, I want to be a part of the solution, buddy. Wow. You know? <laughs> so it's interesting when you said that, that, you know, uh, uh, not that it's an investment opportunity that I want to take advantage of. That isn't what you said. What you said was people need help. Technology needs to get jump started. Sure. So, so you're actually, and again, I don't want to embarrass you, bud, but you're really, no, <laughs> you're a noble guy. You are. That's right, man. That's right. You are, T-Pain. And, and you know, in, in, in this world where so many people focus on the negative and exploit each other, you know, and, and, oh, and, and, and degrade each other, in this world, that never comes out of your mouth ever, does it? No. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I stay in my lane, man. And yeah. look, man I, I, I mean, the only time I'm going to come out of my mouth is I'm talking about myself. And I'm just, you know, I'm just chilling, man. So, you know, I, I stay in my lane. I don't, I don't, you know, want to come across as one of those people. So it's not going to, you know, I'm always just sitting there just, just making sure I'm straight, making sure my family's straight. If that's the case, I got nothing else to worry about. Yeah, none that's of, none of everything, none of anything else is my business. So, so there it is. <laughs> so that stuff aside, which is your peace of mind and the most important core, you know, the center of you, what do you get excited mm-hmm. about every day? What's next? Oh, man. You know what? You know, uh, having gone through, you know, my my, my years uh, a while back and, you know, going through my 20s, uh, one of the things I get excited about, is, it's so weird, man. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I get excited about remembering the day before when I wake wow. up. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of those things. Like, I remember everything I did yesterday because... There were like 10 years of my life where I could not remember one day. I had that back in college. Just... I had that back in college, buddy, so I can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. I mean, and, you know, seeing my wife happy, man, just, just making sure my wife is happy, that, you know, that, that gets me excited. Um, and, That's and really cool, things. though. I want to talk about that for a minute. So you wake up every day and take great pleasure in yesterday. For sure. And when yeah, you think about absolutely. that... That creates a certain accountability, doesn't it? Not that you need accountability. Oh, for sure. But when you wake up every day and you assess the day before, right, was I happy? Did I take care of my family? Did I take care of the things I needed to? Was it a good day? For sure. When you look back that way, you're almost holding yourself to a self-accountability, aren't you? Absolutely. And, when you know, it, and it starts affecting, like, how I go out. You know, when I go to clubs and I start drinking and then I'm having a good time in the club. And even as I'm drinking, I've noticed that I've started, like, being like, man, I'd really love to remember this tomorrow. Then I put the drink down. And it, 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 it got, like, you know, like, all right, I'm getting to a point to where if I get two more drinks than me, I'm not going to remember any of this. But this shit is fun, and I want to remember it. So probably just, I can just, I'm good right now. I can just stop drinking. Yeah, wow. And, but, you know, back in my 20s, I'm like, nope. I want to I wanna have fun right now. I don't care if I remember it tomorrow. Let's just. Just keep going, and you know it's it's changed me, man. And, and yeah. you know holding myself accountable is, is I mean, it's it's really affected pretty much every single part of my day. You know what's and interesting it, is it makes it so much better. 
Some people, I say, sell today for tomorrow, meaning they give away their integrity today to gain something tomorrow. You know, you're the opposite. Uh, You invest in today for tomorrow. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fascinating. Yeah. If 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 your past, you know, if your past is, is, is clear, then man. You already know. You see the patterns. You got you got the future down pat already. That's right. <laughs> you already that's know. Right. You know, and and that's that's where you know a lot of the most successful people come to play. They see the patterns. Yep. Things happen certain ways when you do certain things, and you know you're gonna see that. It's about if you if you approach it different, the next time you see that pattern happening. Yep. So you know, and it's, and it's really it's really about that, and that's how people become successful. If you know that you know if you know that something's going to happen whenever you do something and there's not a solution for it and you find some white space and 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 space in an industry that, that that's underserved and you know things aren't invented like man i wish there was a thing for that anytime somebody says i wish there was a thing for that if they would actually get up and invent that thing we man remember the future that people used to oh, yeah. uh, draw in cartoons and yep. stuff like that of flying cars and shit like that if we would have got lazy and just like, ah, oh, the scientists will do it. We'll just let them do it. <laughs> if We'd we would have lazy. And, and every time somebody said, I wish there was a thing that did that, oh, my God, we'd be in that, that all chrome city flying cars. <laughs> I agree with you. Those people just need to get the hell out of the way so the guys like us that want to get it done can. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we have another interesting thing in common, and that is, you know, through the TV work that you do and I do, we get to meet all sorts of people, entrepreneurs, yeah. people that are in financial trouble, that had a good idea, they got themselves into a hole. And, and mm-hmm. has doing school of business had an effect on you through meeting all these people? Because Bar Rescue did for me big time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, my biggest takeaway from doing this show is you're, you're, you're never too old to start. Mm. Like, that's like one of my biggest takeaways from the show because I've met some really young guys. Like, I've met, I met a young guy who's 27 right now, and he just got his first round of funding of $30 million. Like, like he's... Like yeah, and he's doing uh, esports. He's putting video game competitions in high school and creating a varsity, uh, a varsity division for video games in high school. So you and and kids are getting scholarships, and you know they've given like ten million dollars in scholarships. And but I've also met, you know, a, a sixty-year-old guy that just started a business, yeah. you know, and and it's and he's and he's being he's really successful. So it's it's never I I I figured out it's just never like people are much much younger than they think or yeah. than they feel you know and and it's it, it kind of kills people and it blows my mind that there's this uh, general general uh, uh, perception that if you don't do anything by thirty then you're done just stop trying yeah shoot and, I didn't make it on I'm TV till I was fifty <laughs> right right so I'm trying to you know so I'm trying to get people to realize. Man, it's never too late. Yeah, you could. I mean, anybody that you see that's really, really, really successful—they're not young guys, man. They're not young women. They're not, you know, they're not—they're not young people. They're, they're, you know, it takes a while to figure these things out, and you, yeah. you find out from behind the scenes that when you come up with a product, it's taken four years to even get the idea right, and then you start building the thing, and that takes another six years. And people work on things for a year and like, man, I'm never going to do this. Hey, never mind. And they give up. And then we go, and then we go with a with, with something that could have changed the world, being uninvented. Like this yeah. has just never been invented. Boy. And then you know, just because there's this perception that 
you know, if you don't make it this fast, you give up. Boy, I think exactly like my last book uh, was the New York Times bestseller, and it was all about excuses, T-Pain, and how people come up with excuses to not do something. Tell you. And, you know, we don't I, embrace excuses. Yep, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. <laughs> I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the resources. I mean, they got to – but what is an excuse? It's nothing but a reconciliation of screwing up, right? Either you did yeah, something you shouldn't have or you screwed up or you wouldn't need the damn excuse. So, right. <laughs> so I always tell people that excuses are the great paralyzer. So when a guy says, oh, I'm too old to do this, I mean, that's a bullshit excuse. It really is. That's like, you know, uh, uh, you know, even just like something as small as waking up in the morning for a doctor's appointment. It's like, oh, I can reschedule it. I'm tired. Yeah. It's like all those are excuses, too. Like everything is, you know, there's a lot of excuses that you can kind of, you know, and that's what you do. You're excusing yourself from doing something. And it's not really... It's not healthy. No, <laughs> it's, it's, the, healthy. It's, it's the way we cuddle up when we screw up, you know, and then we live with the excuse, yep. and that supposedly makes us feel better. Okay, I want to have fun with Absolutely. you for a second. I love the whole masked singer. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. What a great so – would you let, just tell the story so everybody can hear the story? Because it's one of my favorite, buddy. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> the weirdest thing. I mean, imagine the pitch coming in, man, you know, to my team. Like, okay, we're uh, – we're doing this competition show, but nobody's going to know who you are. And I'm like, cool, I guess I'll sing backstage or something like that. And they're like, no, you're going to have a costume on. I'm just, <laughs> you know, it's just a weirdest fit. But, um, you know, I'm thinking, like, maybe just, uh, you know, it's called the mask Singer. So it was just a quick mask, like a masquerade thing, something over my eyes or something like that. And they're like, yo, you got to go uh, try on the costume that they picked for you. And I'm like, uh, okay, sweet. I'll just go put on a mask real quick, and uh, we'll be back to our day. So I get there, and there's this full-on Disneyland quality. (laughs) (laughs) A full outfit, this pants, suspenders, fur, everything, giant eyeball looking at me. And I'm like, man, this is different. And so, you know, when I saw it, I had second thoughts immediately. I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting in that fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I get in there and um, I, I called the network and I'm like, guys, okay, so tell me, tell me what the show is again. And they're like, the mad singer, you're going to sing, no, you're going to be in that costume that you're looking at. Uh, nobody's going to know who you are. Uh, and they have to try to guess who you are. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, check this out. I have one of the most distinct voices yep. of all time. And people are going to figure me out the second I open my mouth. And they're like, well, you know, just try on the costume, see how you feel. And I was like, cool, I'll get some Instagram pictures. And they're like, well, you can't Instagram it because then they'll definitely know who you are. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just stuck in this thing. I'm stuck in secrecy now because I've signed a contract and everything. I can't get out of it. And, man, uh, you know, I go on thinking, all right, this will be a pretty cool goose. I'm just going on. They'll figure me out in the first four seconds. And, uh, man, little did I know. So at this, <laughs> point, you're just having fun. at this point, you're just having fun with it. Yeah, at this point, I'm just making fun of myself. Yep. I'm like, yep. okay, once I get out of this thing, it'll be a funny Instagram moment. It'll be cool. But, <laughs> nope, it just kept going. It just kept on going. I'm sorry. Eight weeks later, man, eight weeks later, I, took, I finally took that damn thing off. And people, people just rejoice, man. And it was one of the best feelings in a very, very long time, man. So 
you know, I feel good about it. It was really yeah, good. Yeah, you should. That was an amazing moment. You know what's cool is people can say you're successful because of your look or your style or your this. That, right, right, That right. took all that away, didn't it? That was really just yeah, sure you did. and your it voice. Sure did. It, it, gave, it gave people a different perspective because they were so uh, blinded by pageantry and production and things like that. But, you know, once people can really feel the, the heart and the soul and, and, and your voice and the music, then, you know, there's no denying it. At that point, that was, that's, it's just it's just a real thing coming up, you know. Yeah. So it's it's hard to it's hard to deny anything at that point. <laughs> That's awesome, buddy. Is your dad still alive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually uh, just uh, <laughs> just talked to him this morning. So yeah, he's good. How he's proud? Good. How proud of you is he? He's over the top, man. <laughs> yeah. He's over the top. I would be too. I'm telling him he needs to come. Man. He needs to come do my podcast because the way he talks, he he tells me stories about me. <laughs> like I've never, like I wasn't there. That'd be interesting <laughs> to have him on your podcast and hear those old stories and stuff with his perspective. Yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. Him and my mom, I got to, I got to, I got to put them on and just have them tell their stories and because they tell them to me like I wasn't there. So yeah. you know, it's pretty funny hearing it. Well, now. think about this. People that enjoy that. Think about this. You're a young little boy. You're blessed to be yeah. born to your dad and the parents that you had. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you're you're being raised in Tallahassee. Right, you're you're, mm-hmm. you're you're ten years old. You're trying to get into music. You had a father who motivated you, who inspired you. He was an example yeah. to you. He did good for the community. You do good for the community. Oh yeah. He he was a creative guy. You're a creative guy. He was an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur. You've took everything that your dad was, and you took it all to the next level. And that, yeah, man. <laughs> that is it. Gets no better than that. All of us want yeah, to do better I had, than our I had parents. A model. You know, I had, I had a, I, I had a, I had a point of, of reference, man. You know, and it's it, it only a level up from there because all I can do is, is, is add to it and you know invest in the time and you know and do stuff like that. Like it, it, it goes to show. Like people always ask me, you know, my opinion on like Star Wars movies and stuff, and they're like, how can Childish Gambino or, or Donald Glover play a better? Lando and Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams is the original. And I'm like, well, Billy D. didn't have a reference. That's right. You know, like he didn't have anybody to study. He didn't have anybody to look at and say, okay, I'm going to do that, but I think I got to do it better. Yeah. And, 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 and Billy D. in, in his thing, he, he was, he was the better, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He was the only better. He was the yeah. only one. He was the original. So there's yeah. nothing to work off of. It was just, you know, you know, Donald Glover has something to look at and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, reference this but i'm gonna I, I gotta find a way to make it better and that was that's exactly how i approached the whole thing with my dad i wanted to do the same thing but you know as more things came available and you know he had us reading books but then when i was coming up we had we had the internet so you know i had i had things i had more things at the ready and you know i was more hands-on with different things so it was you know there's no no way i could i could i could not advance the whole process so yeah. it's pretty cool man it was, it was good was he tough if, if if you didn't do good did he let you know it yeah, he let me know, but he let me figure it out myself. He let me figure right. out why it wasn't good. Right. You so know, he, let me he used it as out. an he opportunity for you to grow. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Instead of saying, you did it wrong, go this way. And he's like, listen, you messed up. Uh, finally, go, first of all, if, you, if I mess up in school, he'll make me go apologize to whatever I messed up with. And, uh, you know, and find a different way to do what you were trying to do. Because I know you didn't have bad intentions, but... Just try to find a different way. And if you did have bad intentions, obviously don't do that anymore and try to reverse it. Yep. You know, he, he, he gives me 
more than, you know, more than just, you know, he didn't want to raise me how he was raised. He wanted me to just be smart and be able to work out things on my own. Yeah, and, boy, you know, you. And if, he, if he saw me not being able to work it out, then he'll throw suggestions my way instead of, you know, demands and orders and things like that. He still give me the tools I needed to work these things out on my own. You know, when I talk to, to and make friends, and look, you and I are new friends, right? When, when I talk mm-hmm. to new friends and stuff, sometimes I sit down and I think to myself, if I could pick one word to describe that person, what word would I pick? And for the past <laughs> 10 minutes or so, as I've been talking with you, I've been thinking about what word. And it's tough to, to, to pick one word, right, buddy? I mean, it is, it is. So, so when I think to myself, what word would I choose to describe you? And I could say talented. Nah, that's not good enough. Right, I could say, I could say, you know, a, a concerned, or that's not good enough. The two words that really come to mind for me, and I'm not sure I can pick one over the other. The first is responsi- mm-hmm. The first is responsibility, meaning mm. you're not only responsible to yourself, you're responsible to our society, you're responsible to your children, you're responsible to my children. You have mm. a very responsible way of looking at your life and who you are. You're a great example of responsibility, whether it's moral, social, caring, family, business. That's one word. The other word that I would use to describe you, and again, I don't want you to to blush, buddy, but (laughs) I would use an example. The other word I would use is an example. You're a great example. You're a great Mm. example of what it's like to bridge out of who we are to new groups of people, new ages, new demographics, to touch people older, touch people younger, touch people lighter, touch people darker, touch people with different languages. Right. You are really an example. And, and I want to just say thank you. Because many, you, of, many of your peers, T-Pet, are not the examples that you are. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> so, so my hat's off to you, buddy. You know, if you were next to me, I'd give you a big freaking hug right now. And I'd say, you know, I am proud uh, 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 to call you a friend, and, and and you should be very proud of what you've accomplished, buddy. You're a great example for all of our children, and all of us. And this has been an honor to talk together. So, so I really appreciate it, man. Nah, it's this has been fun. Well. So, should I let everybody in on our little secret that's coming up in in a few weeks? Should I tell them? Yeah, man, let them know. Let's go. All right. He said, T-Pain's coming on Bar Rescue. He's going to do recon for me on an episode of Bar Rescue. You and I have been talking about this for a long time, right, on social. Yeah, a been... long time, man, yeah. So so that'll be coming in the next few weeks. And, and, buddy, I'm so looking forward to having you. And together, let's help a business. I'm super excited. I'm ready, man. I'm, I'm ready. Let's help people, man. Yep. So where can people find you on social? And, and, you know, is there anything going on that you want them to look at? Uh, yeah, man, I'm about to drop a, a, a new album. It's going to kind of be a surprise, but it is coming. Um, I mean, on social media, T-Pain everything. Just yep. T-Pain. Just everything T-Pain. Facebook T-Pain, uh, Twitter T-Pain, Instagram T-Pain, uh, any social, just T-Pain. Just pure that. No official, no, no the real T-Pain, none of that. Just Don't T-Pain. Don't look at any of that. It's all just T-Pain. <laughs> and, and, and I want to tell everybody. But yeah, man, I mean, yeah, if you follow if you follow all those social media, man, you can. Yeah, I'll, I'll announce everything I'm doing and you know, I'm always on top of it, so yeah, I appreciate that. No, nah, my pleasure. Not only do you announce everything that you're doing, but you, you aggregate, you send out a lot of content that's positive, that's influential, a lot of messages, a lot of quotes. If any listener is not following oh, yeah. T-Pain on social, you should. It's a great source of information and motivation. You do a great job, buddy. It's an honor to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Same, John. I really appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. Take care. Wow. You know, when you think about the music industry today. You look at the hip-hop music industry today, Corey. So much of it is negative. You know what I mean, Corey? When you go back 
a few years, it started in a negative sense, right? And, and then you look at a guy like T-Pain, and you look at how he just took this culture, this world, flipped it and made it its own. Yeah. And look at the positive influence that he has from school of business to his posts to children can follow his pages and should. This is a good guy. And he taught me a few things on this call. One, look at the example that his father made for him. All of us that are fathers, are we doing that? Are we inspiring? Are we motivating? Are we allowing children to figure things out? Are we establishing an environment where they can be successful like T-Pain's dad did for him? That's one big lesson I learned from this. The other lesson I learned from this is T-Pain started, got successful at a very young age. I got a little lucky when I was young, too. Sometimes the money comes before the maturity. He learned how to grow up. He learned that remembering yesterday was important to him. He wouldn't drink too much. He wouldn't do too much drugs. It created a self-accountability for him. He learned that spending time with his family was more important than not spending time with his family. fact of the matter is T-Pain went through an evolutionary process that turned him into a really good, positive, and great guy. And a lot of that influence is our responsibility to spread on to others. With all the negativism that's in the music business today, particularly the hip-hop space, think of how T-Pain stands out in a crowd, Corey, being that one positive guy who really makes a difference. I can't wait to have my bar restaurant in a couple weeks. I'll be right back. Want to talk to John? Email him now at podcast at johntaffer.com. Here we go, buddy, putting number 58 to bed. So I'm off to Salt Lake City shooting another bar rescue in a couple of days. For those of you that watch Fox Business, I'll be on Stuart Varney's show Tuesday morning at about 7.30 Las Vegas time, so I guess about 10.30 New York time. And uh, if you haven't yet, go to Walmart, check out Taffer Mixologist. The comments have been incredible, Corey, online. Oh, have yeah. you seen them? Oh, yeah. People love it. I'm really excited about it. If you haven't tried it yet, run to your local Walmart, get a bottle. We have seven flavors. It's the best mixer you've ever had. It's like having a mixologist at home. That does it for episode 58. You know what I'm doing next week, Corey? What's that? Episode 59. <laughs> I'll see you all then. Bye-bye.